Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at all of our campuses, network churches. Thank you so much for joining us. I pray it's been a great week so far, a great weekend, um, just filled with God's goodness and joy in your life. But we're excited that you are here. Now, I'm not sure about what it says about me, uh, but I am one of those people who, if I happen to see a penny on the ground, I'm like required to pick it up. Like if I'm at Target and I'm on the parking lot and there's all kinds of nasty slush and water and there's like small oceans and I see a penny in it, I have to somehow scurry over and pick it up. If I'm at a gas station and I'm in the nastiest gas station bathroom ever and I'm using the bathroom and I happen to see a penny in the, in the corner and it's got a hair on top of it, like I'm required to go and pick it up and that's actually where I got this penny right here. It's, uh, I'm just kidding. I don't care if it's tails up, I'll take the penny and bad luck. And I'm not sure about what it says about me. Maybe I'm cheap, but a penny is a penny, right? My kids, uh, true story, they have started to give me their pennies because they do not want them and they know their old man does. This week, they actually started giving away quarters as well. I'm like, what is going on with this world, okay? What happened? Uh, wasn't it snuck? No, quarters. We're giving away quarters. Uh, but this week I was on, on Facebook and I never cease to be amazed what you can find on the Facebook in the information superhighway, right? So I'm on Facebook uh, when I, I see this question and this question comes up from time to time on Facebook. Someone will share it. The question is, would you rather have a million dollars or would you rather have a penny doubled for 30 days. Would you rather have a million dollars or a penny doubled? A penny doubled, you know, the first day there's one penny, day two, two, four, eight, 16, you get the thing. Like, would you rather have a million dollars or a penny doubled? And I have to be honest, I saw the million dollars and I was like, I'll take the million dollars, okay? I'll take the million dollars. I don't trust Facebook with my money. I'm just gonna take, I'm gonna take a, a million dollars. But if you happen to do the math, like our former banker, now campus pastor, Travis Fink, if you actually do the math, a penny doubled for 30 days, would end up giving you just over $5.3 million. Crazy, right? It, you know, pays off to do well in math. <laughs> but again, the power of a penny, something so small, yet something that is able to have a ripple effect into something greater. A penny, something that starts so small that is able to multiply if given the chance. In a similar way, I found in my own life that oftentimes, usually actually, not all the time, but usually, it's the smallest acts that make the greatest impact. I've found that it's the smallest decisions, it's the smallest steps of faith, it's the smallest actions, the smallest amount of words that some kind, sometimes can have the greatest impact, the greatest ripple effect in our life. So ripple effect is simply an action that has an ongoing greater reaction and it is the name of our new series that we are starting today, talking about simple acts, simple actions that can have a lasting ripple effect. And over the next five weeks, starting today, over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at simple actions, things like baptism, things like serving. Next week, we're going to talk about Haiti and what God has done in and through this church in Haiti and what God is going to do in and through this church through Haiti. You do not want to miss next week, by the way. But again, we're just going to be talking about simple actions, simple decisions that can have a greater ripple effect, a greater difference than we would ever imagine. 
To jump in head first today, I want to have us open up our Bibles to the words of a man named John. If you have your Bible with you, if you have your Bible on your phone, take it out and open up your Bible to the book of John chapter 6. Just to tell us a little bit about John, John is one of the three disciples who was BFFs with Jesus. He was in Jesus' inner circle. Uh, John often referred to himself as the one that God loves, as the one that Jesus loves, which is always weird. I'm like, man, are you really that confident? And yet I, I'm actually slightly jealous that he has that understanding about who God is. Um, but in chapter 6 of John, we see one of the classic stories, one of the most well-known stories in the Bible, a story that shows up uh, and is only one of a handful of stories that shows up in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Leading up to the story in chapter 6, we find out that Jesus has been teaching and he's been traveling and he's been healing people as well. There was, there was a blind man in a couple chapters earlier that he gave the ability to see again. There was, there was another man who wasn't able to walk for 38 years, Jesus told him to stand and walk and the man was able to walk. So because of these teachings and these miracles, Jesus now has crowds. Literally thousands of people have started following him. And so on this occasion, Jesus gets into a boat. He crosses over a sea known as the Sea of Galilee. And when he gets to the other side of the sea, he discovers that the crowds are still there. The crowds have continued to follow him. They want to hear a little bit more. They want to see what he is able to do. And so picking up our story in John chapter 6, verse 3, here is what we find out. It says, Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd, again, thousands of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, one of the 12 disciples, Jesus asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip. Another translation says that he is stretching Philip's faith. He's stretching his faith. For he, Jesus, already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Again, here is Jesus. He's just healed a bunch of people. He's been teaching. Thousands of people have started following him. And yet Jesus turns to Philip and he says, where can we, where can you and I get enough bread to feed all these people? If I'm Philip, my first response is, well, I'm not Jesus, you are. The crowds aren't following me, they're following you. I didn't give this man the ability to walk, you did. I didn't help this man see, you did. And so I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I want to know what you're going to do, Jesus. And yet, when it comes to making a difference, when it comes to having a true ripple effect in our lives, get this, giving, it starts with us. Giving, it starts with us. It starts with you and Jesus, and it starts with me and Jesus. It starts with us. One of the simplest ways that we can have a ripple effect in and through our lives is through our giving. To Philip, Jesus says, where are we? Where are we? You and I, where are we going to get enough bread? Now, so often as human beings, even as followers of Jesus, myself included, Whenever we see a need, our very first response is to ask, what are they going to do? We see a need, and it's like, I wonder what so-and-so is going to do about this. They have a lot of resources. I wonder what they're going to do. They have a lot of talents. I wonder what they're going to do. I wonder what they are going to do. And the church, I wonder what the church, I wonder what they are going to do. I wonder what they are going to do. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm wondering what they are going to do. And yet, here's Jesus steps in, and Jesus is like, I'm not really concerned about what they're going to do. Or they, or they, or they. Instead, I'm wondering, I'm concerned about what you're going to do. I'm concerned about, about you. I'm asking not about someone else. I'm asking about you. 
And to be clear, whether it's giving or something else, our God, he doesn't need us. Our God doesn't need us. Whatever area it is, our God doesn't need us. Instead, he wants to include us. Our God doesn't need us. He wants to include us. Our God wants us to learn from firsthand experience who he is, not just to read in a book. If honestly, at the end of our lives, all we know about God moving is in in his words found in the Bible, God is like, gosh, you've totally missed the point. Instead, I want you to experience who I am. I want you to know that I'm able to do miracles how in and through your life. I want you to experience it. I want you to see it with your own hands, with your own eyes, with your own body. I want you to know that I am God. I want you to see in who I truly am, not just from a book, instead with your own eyes. Again, do we want to have a ripple effect? Start with something small that's able to have an ongoing and greater result. It starts with us. Embrace it starts with you. It starts with us. And so again, thousands of people have started following Jesus. Jesus asks, he asks, where can they get bread? Philip basically responds and says, that's impossible. And then after that, Andrew, another one of the disciples, he speaks up. And in verse 9, listen to what Andrew tells us. Andrew says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? And I I just got to quickly say, I think this is my favorite part in the story. I truly believe this is my favorite verse. As I sat about it this week, I was like, man, I love this verse. I mean, in this story, other than Jesus, Jesus is the main character. Other than Jesus, I love the fact that the disciples are not the main characters. I I love in this story, away from Jesus, the main character is not some rich guy. I love that it's not some rich guy. I love that it's not this lady who's got all kinds of crazy gifts and talents. I love that it's not a person with a huge platform. Instead, it just, we don't even know the person's name. We don't even know who they're, who like actually who they are. All we're told is there's a young boy here with five loaves of bread and two fish. The King James Version, I love how it says it. There's a young lad here. I love that. I don't know why I do, but there's a young lad here with five loaves of bread and two fish. And the question that is asked is so perfect. What good is this? And it's so perfect because it's honestly the number one question that keeps you and I from doing anything. It's often the question that keeps us, you and I, completely paralyzed from using what God has entrusted us. What good is this? When the need is so great, what difference is this going to make? When the need is so huge, when this mountain is so high, what, what, could, I, what could God possibly do through me? Who am I and what, like, will this really, this simple small action actually have a ripple effect? Like, will this little thing actually make a difference? Again, what good is this? I'm just a young boy. With, with a few loaves of bread and two fish, I don't have what others have. I don't have the talents that other people have. And this person over here is really talented. And so I'm wondering what they're going to do because there's a big need. And this person over here, they got a lot of resources. I don't have a lot of resources. I'm, so I'm kind of waiting for them to write like a big check. And this person over here, they know so many people. And so I'm not going to reach out to my people. I'm going to wait for them to reach out to their people. And yet as we find out, Jesus responds by basically saying, not just in this story, but in every story, He responds by basically just saying, give me what you have. I want to use me. I want to use you. Just give what you've got. I'm not concerned about what someone else has. I'm just concerned about what you have, big or small. Give what you've got and put it in the hands of Jesus. Just trust me. I'm not concerned about this other person. I'm concerned about you and you and you and you. 
is take what you have and put it in the hands of Jesus. You want to have a ripple effect? Just consistently take it and put it in his hands. Consistently. Consistent is such an ugly word, isn't it? Such a boring word. Such a non-sexy word. Consistent? We typically think big, God thinks faithful. We think game-changing, like huge, God just is like, just be consistent. We're like, we want to change the world. We're going to make a difference in this world. No, just each day, just show up and faithfully, just give me what you have and trust me with everything else. You want to make a difference, just give what, what you've got. Continuing on with our story, in verse 10, again, Jesus asked, we're going to get this bread. Andrew responds, there's this young kid here that's got some stuff. And then listen to what happens in verse 10. Jesus says, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, ever been full before? After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather all the leftovers so nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Again, a ripple effect that starts with us. We just need to consistently take what we have and put it in the hands of Jesus. And when we do, he multiplies it. When we do, he multiplies it. Just taking what we have, put it in his hands, he's able to multiply it. Just to be clear, on our own, whether we have a lot or we have very little, on our own, we can do very little. Our pride hates to hear that, but on our own, we can do very little. Jesus once said to his disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. You want to do something significant? Apart from me, you can have no significance in a huge way. On our own, we can do very little, but when we simply give what we've got, and we just put it in the hands of Jesus consistently, just trusting him, just put it in his hands, he is able to do things that we can't even begin to imagine. He's able to have a ripple effect in and through our lives that we never thought was possible. He's able to take uh, this young lad with some fish and some bread, and he's able to use it in ways that have a ripple effect that 2,000 plus years later, we are still gathering across campuses and talking about today. That's outrageous, and yet that is what our God is in the business of. One more time, it starts with us. Give what you got. Put it in the hands of Jesus and watch him multiply it. This is what we saw in our story, and this is true in so many different ways in our lives. It's true with our jobs. On our own, we're just teachers and bankers, just teachers and bankers. But when we take that same job and we put it in the hands of Jesus, we're no longer just a teacher or a banker. Instead, we're a teacher and a banker being used by God to make a difference that will last for all eternity. On our own, we're just a physician, which is a big deal in the eyes of the world. But really, when you think about it, it's like, that's not really that big of a deal. But when you're just, you put that physician career in the hands of Jesus, God is, just doesn't use you as a, as a physician. Instead, you become someone that God is using to supernaturally, not just physically, but supernaturally heal people from the inside out. Our, our connections and our platform, we make a big, big deal of those things. Those things are here today, gone tomorrow. Like a flower that withers, just gone. You take those connections, you take that platform, you put it in the hands of Jesus. God is able to use it in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. It's true with our careers. It's true with our talents. It's also true of our, our finances and our money. It's also true of that putting our money in the hands of Jesus and let him multiply it. And to be clear, I'm not talking about multiplying our money. God doesn't always multiply our money. 
I think our God is far from being a prosperity gospel God. Instead, I'm talking about multiplying our impact here on this earth. Multiplying our impact. And with this, I, I, just, I just want to take just a couple of minutes just to share the ways that God has multiplied your giving in and through this church called Embrace. And this is just from the last seven days alone, like this past week. We had two full pages of stories we could have shared. And so as campus pastors, myself, we're like, what stories do we tell? And I just want to read off a few of them. Listen to this. This week we had a person share that they grew up in the church, but their whole life they were just going through the motions. They started coming to embrace, in their words, not mine, they said their eyes were open to God. They had no clue that you could have a relationship with God, and it has changed everything. And just to be clear, this has happened in and through your giving. In and through your giving. Another person shared that they just moved back to town recently after just going through a divorce. They felt far from God. Well, just in the last few weeks, they started coming to the church here and joined a men's small group. People who love Jesus have surrounded him, and the community he's found has been so healing from this, this season, which has been so horrible. Again, this happened in and through your giving. God, God did this. This past week, three college students committed to going through Financial Peace University, just a nine-week course to get their finances in order. And just thinking about the age that they're doing this, the season of life that they're doing this, this won't only, this won't only just change their finances and their financial picture, but just will impact their families as well from one generation, Lord willing, to the next. This happened through your giving. This week, we got a message from a mom in the church. She wrote and shared, I'm absolutely paralyzed by anxiety. Anyone else know that? And I've struggled with lifelong guilt because I've never understood how I can have faith in God and still struggle with anxiety. Anyone else have the same story? I know I do. But the Anxious and Afraid series has really helped me to realize that just because I'm anxious doesn't mean I'm faithless. Again, this happened in and through your, your generosity. Out in T at our T campus this past week, I think it was actually 10 days ago to be technically for youth, uh, Jaden, our youth pastor there, challenged the teens to hand over their pain, their mistakes, their sin over to God, challenging them to write it physically down, and they ended up nailing it to a cross at the end of youth that night. Some of the things that our youth shared was handing over things they've done in the area of sex and drugs and vaping and porn and broken families and going through a divorce, suicide, gossiping. This all took place in and through your giving. Last week alone, I know for sure at 57th Street, we had people come up after the services, find staff and volunteer and say, I want the peace of God inside of me. I want God's peace. They ended up praying to receive Christ. Lastly, I had a young fella come up to me last week after the service and said, Adam, I honestly don't know if I'd be alive today if it wasn't for the fact of meeting Jesus in and through this church. Again, this, this all from the past seven, ten days, this past week, all of it happened because of your giving. Awesome, right? Just to say it again on our own, what we can give, it, it doesn't do much. Whether it's a lot or little, it doesn't do much. But when we begin to put it in the hands of God, he is able to use it, especially when we consistently put it in his hands. He's able to use it in ways we can't imagine, a ripple effect that's far greater than ourselves. And to be clear, the stories we just shared, Embrace didn't do them. God did. Folks, if you don't know it, Embrace is far from being a perfect church. 
The pastor doesn't know up from down most days. All I know is that I'm desperately in need of Jesus. And so as a church, we're just trying to follow him as radically and as closely and as intimately as we possibly can. These stories are God's stories. They're not our stories. And all of us, we just get to be a part of it. It's experiencing firsthand what God is able to do in and through us when we begin to trust him. I just want to ask across campuses, do you want to be a part of this? Do you want to be a part of what God is doing? If the answer is yes, our challenge today is really, really simple. Give something and give it consistently. How basic is that? Want to be used by God in this one simple way? Give something, anything, anything. Give something and give it consistently. And just to say it, money can be really, really awkward to talk about in church, right? But Jesus talked about it all the time. As a new pastor, I can remember hating talking about money and finances. It was one of the things that kept me personally away from God. This morning, the very first thing I did was pray for those who are joining us for the very first time. Those of us who are on the fence about embraces a whole year are the first person I prayed for today. And so I used to hate talking about it, but it almost feels like with each week that passes, I want to talk about it a little bit more. Why? Because of the joy I've personally found in my own life through this simple act of giving. It's, it's, it's just something that is, there's so much joy in it. Not just my joy, but the joy I've, I've seen take place in the lives of so many others. As your friend, as your pastor, as your brother, honestly, I'm like, this week I was just like, I only wish that all of us who called Embrace, the network church, I only wish all of us could experience the joy found in giving when we realize that all of it is his and he just entrusts us with a part of it. So there's the joy, but there's also the impact the ripple effect of not just seeing these stories, but seeing people come up and just talk about what God has done in and through them. For Beck and I personally, just to share freely, we've tied to Embrace before Embrace even had a name. This last January, we signed up for Automatic Withdrawal. We've always faithfully tied, but sometimes it would come like, you know, two, three times together. We'd forget about it, so we'd bring it the next time. We just decided we just want to consistently and faithfully give it for it to be the first thing that comes out of our salary, my salary. So again, it could be awkward, but, but giving, Jesus talked about it all the time. And the starting place that we see all over the Bible, including from the Apostle Paul that Jesus himself mentions it, is to start by giving to one's place of worship given a tithe or just a tenth of what we have back to him consistently, just, just first giving to God really as a starting place of where all generosity flows from. And so again, today's challenge, give something and give it consistently. Today, if you're here at one of the campuses, network churches, you're already tithing, awesome. Look for ways that you can give above that someplace else. If you're here and you're not tithing, just give something. Maybe it's $20, maybe it's $200, maybe it's $2,000. Maybe every time you come, it's $20 here, $50 here. Instead of just doing it here and there, begin to consistently give to God. Maybe today it's just like, I'm going to sign up for automatic withdrawal. So whether I'm here or not, I'm faithfully and consistently given to him. Again, give something and give it consistently. And this is just a simple way of starting with us, putting what we have in the hands of Jesus and watching him move in a powerful, radical way. Last one last thing I want to share as far as how we, how we use our finances here at Embrace over the last 12 months, I've been convicted more than ever before. I just want to share it as freely as we possibly can. We update it on a monthly basis now. You can go to imembrace.com backslash give to see how we're using our resources, how we're using the resources to reach the next person for Jesus. So go and check that out. If you have questions, reach out to our camp's pastors. To close things up today, as we read in our story, the truth is God can use anyone. 
including a young boy with some bread and some fish. In my own life, I've also seen that God can use anyone, including a young eight-year-old girl named Grayson Weber, my daughter. Something we started last year um, as a result of going through Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey's ruined our life in the best way possible. <clears throat> but through that, we, we started paying our kids on a weekly basis for chores. And so if they do all their chores, making their bed and a few other things here and there, if they do all their chores, they can, the, the most they can make is $4. And then from there, it goes, goes down. I don't know if this is child labor as I'm thinking about it. Maybe child labor. Uh, there's probably a better employer in town than the Webbers. But if they do all their things, <clears throat> they can make $4. And each Saturday, um, we pay them on Saturday. And before my daughter runs to Family Dollar and buys as much gum as she possibly can, that's her thing. My daughter, as soon as she gets paid, she can't throw it out the window as fast as you know, it's just like paid. And then she's like tosses it out the window. Um, but as soon as she uh, gets paid, before she goes to Family Dollar, uh, she tithes. And our, our three older kids, all of them do. And what's been powerful to me is that rarely do they actually tithe. Um, most of the time, almost all the time, and it's not because I'm sitting there watching them, praising them. Most of the time, they end up giving them way, way more than their tithe. And another thing that's been amazing, just even in the last week alone, they've asked twice. Um, just their life, they've just been looking for other ways to be generous. Seeing a random need at school. A neighbor that we have seeing something, hearing about something and asking, Dad, can I give and be a part of that as well? It's just been awesome. At the end of January, though, we sent out our giving statements for the church. If you gave in 2018, you most likely got one in the mail. Sent out giving statements, and so the day they came in the mail to the Webbers, Becky and I got one, and then each of the three older kids got one as well. Um, our youngest son, Anderson, doesn't do chores yet, so he doesn't get paid. Uh, when he found out that he wasn't getting one in the mail, he freaked out, uh, and Becky quickly ran into the kitchen, grabbed one of our electric bills off, and shoved it in an envelope and gave it to him. It's <laughs> uh, actually not a joke. We're still waiting for him to pay the electric bill, but he hasn't. I haven't quite done that yet. So three oldest, I told Becky to wait until I got home because I wanted to share about, about it. I handed the letters, they opened up. First thing Grayson asked is, <laughs> she just said, Dad, can you read the letter? Can you read the letter? Well, the letter, quick side note, is from Pastor Embrace, this Yahoo. And so I said, baby, I'd love to read the letter to you. So I began to read the letter and I began to explain, looking at where our giving goes, I began to tell her about the ways that God is using her generosity in and through this church. How God's using her generosity to have a ripple effect in the lives of people that she's never met before. By the way, in 2018, Grayson Weber gave $17.44. And that may seem really, really foolish. It may seem really, really childish. Almost like a young lad with five loaves of bread and two fish. Don't you realize there's thousands of people, Jesus? That's just childish. It may seem really insignificant until you begin to take that $17.44 and you begin to put it in the hands of a God who's able to multiply it in ways we can't even fathom. She still has the letter on her dresser in her bedroom. This week, I just started thinking, <clears throat> it's awesome to think that God used $17.44 from an eight-year-old girl to reach all the people we mentioned earlier. God used my daughter to indirectly help a man who just walked through a divorce and is longing for community. 
use my daughter to indirectly tell a mom that's struggling with anxiety that just because she's struggling with anxiety doesn't mean she's faithless. Indirectly, she's, God used $17.44 to tell a group of teens in tea that their mistakes, their sin doesn't define them. Instead, the grace and love and power of God does. In our sin and our brokenness, it doesn't define who we are. Instead, it just brings us closer and closer to him where we find out who we really are. God used a simple act, a simple gift to have a ripple effect. It's almost like a penny. When you begin to double it, it seems really, really insignificant. But when you begin to double it in 30 days, it's crazy what can happen. It can have a ripple effect. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we, we come before you grateful for your generosity towards us. You, you gave your best gift, your, your one and only son to us, Lord, so that we might have life. Today, God, I know the question that paralyzes me is what good will this do? And on our own, we can't do much, but when we begin to put it in your hands, you can do far greater. Today, I pray for all of us, specifically in the area of finances, that we'd realize the joy that comes when we realize that everything we have isn't ours, instead it's only yours. And you just want to use it as much as we can for your glory. Lord, we're grateful for you. We're thankful for you. We love you so much. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.